I also like to start with the book of Proverbs, and today being the seventh, um, I picked a verse out of Proverbs 7, and here it is so short and sweet. Treat wisdom as your sister and insight as your closest friend. So today, churches all around the country um, are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And um, there's a reason why they're doing this. Scriptures tell us to do this. And uh, I'll give you the scripture in just a moment. But um, this is not uh, not meant to be political and so forth. It's just something that scripture tells us to do. And so pastors from across the country have somebody somewhere started this thing. and, And churches all across the country are doing this today. Psalm 122 says this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be peace inside your walls and safety in your places. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I say to Jerusalem, peace be with you for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I pray for your prosperity. And so the scriptures tell us that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So we're going to do that as well. I want to piggyback on that one other thing. Um, we'll find something on a very similar of a sim- similar thrust in Genesis chapter 3, where God is talking to Abram and he's going to send him to uh, a new land. He, says, he said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, And go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. And I, this is my personal belief. I I personally believe that the nations that choose to bless the nation of Israel intentionally that, that decision has more to do with God's application of blessing upon a land than all the other issues that that land might encounter. I mean, things like, I mean, I think our budgetary policy and all of those kinds of things, they do affect us for certain. But I believe this spiritual, this has spiritual implications that over, over, overarch those other ones. And for those two reasons, I just want us to pray for peace in Jerusalem. Scripture says to do it. Other churches are doing it. So let's just, you think about the turmoil in that region in a little tiny country that's smaller than western Washington probably, yet it has the focus of the whole world, and it has been the focus, and it remains the focus, and it's going to continue to remain the focus of the whole world. And the things that are going on there are all predicted right in here. Someday maybe maybe we'll take a look at that, but let's just take a minute or two and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, we, um, we, we add our voices to other voices across this land, and today we say, Lord, may there be peace in that city. God, there is so much turmoil and so much division and so much passion about belief there. And there are such different philosophies about how to achieve um, goals. So, Lord, there is, it's, it's just the focus of all this conflict. We ask God for you to do what flesh and blood can't seem to do, and that's put peace upon that city. We pray, Lord, um, we, we ask God that you would prevent senseless acts of terrorism, that you would prevent, Lord, um, all kinds of evil that might want to spring up and destroy, just needlessly destroy life there. We pray, Lord, that you would grant to leaders there a sense of your direction and your leading, that, Lord, something of heaven's blessing would rest upon that city. And also for our own country, Lord, I pray that those who lead would be prompted by your spirit and that we would continue a, a long, long, long season, Lord, of blessing this place that, that you sent Abram to, to be. So God, let it, let it be a mark upon our land that we choose to bless, not to curse. So we pray for peace over the city of Jerusalem, God. We thank you, Lord, that, that the entire world was blessed 
through that nation. In Jesus' name, amen. In fact, it's Jesus with whom I'm talking about um, that we're blessed. Okay, go ahead. kind of intense. Uh, We are now in the second week of a series about getting past your past. Last week, we talked about overcoming labels, the labels that have been applied to you in your life. Everybody has labels attached to their name, and uh, sometimes we just read our own label and say, yeah, I guess that's who I am, and and it can go our entire lives, and it's uh, challenging. And um, the message is available for free. It's on the church website. And I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to get into cadence with where we're going on this. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is up to something. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is up to, to doing some things and unlatching some hearts. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about um, how we initiate healing in relationships around us. How we go about trying to fix things when we've got messed up relationships in people close to us. Because I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to um, create some healing in some parent-child relationships, in some relationships with friendships and uh, in marriages. I think there are going to be healings as the Holy Spirit goes to work. Today, we're going to talk about how do we forgive people who have hurt us. How many of you at some time have ever been hurt by somebody? (laughs) Oh, come on. I can't believe anybody wouldn't raise their hand. I mean, every one of us at some point. You're afraid, though, that I'm going to somehow spring a booby trap on you later because you raise your hand, aren't you? (laughs) I have no idea why you think that about me, but, you know, sometimes it could be something as simple as a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. Somebody says something, or, and, 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 and sometimes those things can grow into something that the enemy of our soul can use and can create a wedge that can last be, between two people for years and years and years. Other times, it's not a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's something intentional, something outright planned. Sometimes it could be something really mean or cruel. And, um, you know, I think by bringing up a subject like this, just by way of odds in a room like this today, I know there are people present in this room and at the very front leading edge of your heart, there's some sort of hurt about something that's going on. And, um, you know, someone has wounded you or someone has lied to you or somebody has taken advantage of you. And now just hearing that this is going to be the topic for today brings up emotions because it's a very fresh wound. And for some of us, it's, we were wounded sometime in our past, and we've somehow figured out a way to take that wound and maybe bury it somehow. Just stick it way down in the closets of our heart and so that we can just function and get on day-to-day life and never deal with it. And we, and we learn how to maintain until something comes up that reminds us and it sparks something in us, and then the anger and the bitterness that's inside can kind of float back up, you know, to the surface. You know, maybe it happens for you at holiday season when you encounter family members then that, you know, it's kind of you got to go see and you got to do the things and you run into somebody that you don't spend a lot of other time with and um, they say something and you go off on them. Wow. You realize afterwards, like, wow, where did that come from? And then you realize, oh, I know where it came from. It came from that closet. I'm supposed to keep that door locked and somebody let that animal out of the cage or you bump into somebody out of nowhere and there's this sudden unexpected rush of emotion 
Because there's something in there that just hasn't been dealt with biblically that has to do with hurt in the past. And maybe some of you have even at some point in your life said, okay, I'm going to draw a line right here. If this ever happens to me, then I will not forgive. I'm just not going to cross beyond that. I did that early on, a um, long time ago. I was you know, a young, young man, and I thought, you know, I can, be, you know, I'm, I, I can be pretty big about a lot of stuff, but you know, if this happens to me, I'm not going to tell you what the this is, but if this happens to me, I, I, I just won't be able to forgive that. I can tell you right now, I believe that determination that I made in my heart is so far, I hope it stays this way, but it's so far, it is the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. The biggest mistake. I, I, don't, I don't really know how you know, heaven engineers things and how much hell engineers things, but then I believe what happens is that heaven takes those things and, and uses them for his glory. Genesis 50.20 says that what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. So I think, you know, hell loved hearing this guy named Terry say, I'll never forgive, X happens to me. And the Lord says, well, I'll be able to shape something if X happens because I'm going to use that for my glory. Well, I've learned a long time ago, and I've tried to keep this, keep this in front of me now, I don't ever draw lines in the sand for God anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Because, because X happened. And I was pancaked. I was flattened. I mean, I, I guess, I guess I, the only thing less would have been ground into powder, but I was close to that too. I mean, I was, as far as I was concerned, my life was done with. And uh, I remember talking to a godly man when this truth all of a sudden came into my, my windshield. Here it is. It's real. It's happened. And he says to me, what are you going to do? And uh, I remember quoting a scripture. And the scripture I quoted, we'll come to a little bit later. I'm jumping ahead. I'm out of order here. But the scripture I quoted was, how, I'm going to forgive because how will my Father in heaven forgive me unless I forgive? And that line that I drew, God always knew I would run over the other side of the line if I had to. I just didn't ever want to. And I thought that if I willed myself enough willpower, I could somehow shape karma or something into never making me have to forgive completely. And I'm sure there are things coming in my life that I will at some point need to forgive that I don't want to. Um, But I know I'll be able to. Because I drew a line and God said, wait a second, Terry, you really can get across this line. And now I know that about myself. And Jesus talked about that topic. Um, he said in Mark 11, he says, when you stand and pray, forgive anything you have against anyone so that your Father in heaven will forgive the wrongs you have done. Now, I believe for some of you today, you've walked into a divine appointment. You, you thought, oh, I'm going to go to church. It's Sunday. It's you know, the thing to do. And, and uh, yet... There is a plan that heaven has today to do something. There's something inside of you, a hurt maybe that's fresh, or maybe a hurt that's down there somewhere buried, and God is going to deal with people today. God is going to deliver. He's going to wipe things today. And I can say, anytime I talk about forgiveness, I get some pushback. 
I mean, I get some, I, I expect probably I'm going to get some email. Um, my email address is eric at Crossroads Foursquare. <laughs> now, I will get some pushback. I'll get a phone call or someone's going to stop me and talk to me. And, you know, it's not that they're going to be mad at me about this. They're going to be legitimately hurting. And they're going to say, but Terry, you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know what so-and-so did to me. You tell me I'm supposed to forgive, but you don't know what they did. And the truth is, I don't know. That's true. I mean, somebody about you, somebody may have gossiped about you and hurt you. Maybe they lied about you. Maybe they, t- they, they took advantage of you in some way. Maybe they betrayed your innocence. Maybe your spouse cheated on you. Maybe a parent abandoned you or hurt you in some way. And sometimes, you know, when it's people close to you, sometimes it's more difficult to forgive somebody that you love than someone else. Or, or it can also be real difficult sometimes to watch somebody else hurt someone that you love, someone in your family, somebody you're close to. It can be hard to get over that. And so, you know, about all that pushback, I, I know people are going to say, but Terry, you don't know. And I acknowledge right now, I, I don't know. But I do know that there are a lot of very tragic things that go on. And I do know what it is like to be hurt. And I know what it is like to watch someone you love be grossly mistreated and hurt. I mean, I've seen those things. So I don't know what has happened to you, but I do know instances in my own life where I've been hurt and where I've watched other people be hurt. What I pray that you do, you do today with just these few minutes is that, you know, and I know for some this is going to be really challenging. Um, I pray that you'll allow the Lord to go down in there and... Um, within your heart, help you let them float to the surface of your heart, just between you and God. Somebody that's hurt you, and the Lord might show you that you just have never quite dealt with it the way that he wants you to. You know, it could be somebody at work that betrayed you, you know. He said something or she said something that went behind your back, or it could be a close friend that betrayed your trust, or a mom and dad that did something to hurt you, and you know maybe that happened over years and years. Maybe it was a child who rejected you, or maybe a child who said something that just was really hard, or it could be your spouse. Maybe some of you are kind of aching in your soul about your spouse's sexual past, and you just can't let it go, and in your mind there are these images and, and um, fear, and you, know, you just can't forgive something that happened before you were even married. Or maybe... It's in your present right now. You know, maybe your spouse lied to you or strayed from marital vows. I, I think some people get angry at, at someone who's even no longer even living. They're, they're gone, yet still there's this bitterness or this grudge. Or sometimes we get angry at God. You know, you prayed about something. He could have done something about the prayer request, but he didn't do it. Why, God? Why didn't you? Do this, and we get angry at God. And for some of us, we're angry at ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves for something. And I've been praying about this all week long. What I've been praying about is this what's impossible with man will be possible with God. You know, there is something about just saying to the Lord, okay, I need the supernatural at work here because I cannot get this, get my handle on this, God. And then the power of the Holy Spirit under the word of God, 
God will give you an ability that's supernatural to forgive something that you can't do through willpower alone. So let's let the Bible speak to us and uh, ask, ask the question, why in the world should I forgive people? I mean, good question. And So here, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. For one reason is this, because unforgiveness hurts me. Hebrews 12:15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So many of us, we're living with a bitter root, you know, we're just living with this root of bitterness. And sometimes we're not even completely aware of it because we've learned how to function with our grudge. Consequently, this root of bitterness can grow and go down deep because it was never dealt with properly. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs, but bitterness keeps detailed records. Detailed records, doesn't it? It does. It, it says things like, well, he said, she said, hey, did you see that thing? It keeps this list. And the root of bitterness grows, and it grows, and it turns into something that's kind of like a cancer of our soul. And it pollutes our heart, and it pollutes our relationship with other people, and it hurts our relationship with God. Unforgiveness is kind of like, you know, squeezing a handful of broken glass, you know, in your hand doesn't do anything but really cut up your hand. Um, it's like <laughs> we were talking before church about Angry Birds. How many have played Angry Birds? Come on. Really, I, that's, I'm not surprised. Uh, that, that little game, which I think you can get free on some phones or something. I know it's very common. They've had over a billion people download and, or buy the game. A billion. A billion people have played Angry Birds. Okay, if you haven't played Angry Birds... There's nothing evil about Angry Birds. It's kind of fun, but it's kind of frustrating. I mean, I've tried it a little bit. You know, it's, it's uh, kind, of, kind of crazy. You're just this little bird, and you're angry. You're angry at some pigs. I'm not really sure why you're angry at the pigs, but you're angry at those pigs. They're green pigs. On that premise alone, you should be angry at them because they're green pigs. So the pigs start building themselves a fort, and sometimes the fort is made out of wood. Sometimes it's made out of metal. Sometimes it's made out of... Ice, I don't know what, what it is, but it's made it. And they get inside there and they protect themselves. But thank God you have a slingshot, okay? And so you pull back on the slingshot and you send your angry bird flying through the air. And sometimes if you tap on your screen, your angry bird becomes three angry birds and it hits the fortress. And the pigs in there are going, whatever pigs do when their fortress gets bombed. And they, the, the fortress, boom, it goes and opens up and things explode and Logs fall and they squash the pigs and they go away. And your little bird goes boom, 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 and it falls down and more stuff breaks and boom, boom, boom. But guess what happens? Your bird gets to the ground and it goes poof. You die. You get your revenge, but you die. Why do you want to be an angry bird holding a grudge your whole life? Nelson Mandela said this. He said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other guy. Wow. Why should I forgive? Because unforgiveness hurts me. A second reason is because I will need forgiveness again. Jesus made that really clear when he said this in Matthew 6. But if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, 
your father will not forgive your sins. Why should I forgive? Because I need, I'm going to need forgiveness again. Jesus told this other story too where there was this, this master who had a servant and the servant owed him a lot. The servant owed him 10,000 talents. Now, what does that mean in today's economy? Um, you know, you can do the calculations, but basically one calculation I saw said that that, that equated to about $4 billion, okay? It equated to approximately 300,000 days labor. In other words, there was no way this guy could repay this. It was an impossible sum. So he goes to the, to the master and he begs for mercy and the master says, okay, you're off the hook. I forgive the debt. Great story so far, right? Then that, that servant goes back to his own little village and, um, and a guy who owes him a denarii, one day's wages, comes to him and says, please give me mercy. And that servant said, huh, no way, pay up. And the first original master hears about this and he goes, oh, this really frustrates me. I can't let this fly. And um, here's where Jesus continues that story in Matthew 18. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will, teach, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Very direct. Jesus is being very direct here with us about forgiveness. You know, and it's interesting in my own life how uh, I'm eager for Jesus to give me mercy, but I can sometimes be a little slow to choose to forgive people who've hurt me. I feel like I've got to wait until my heart calms down. I've got to wait until things become right. I've got a whole list of reasons why forgiveness should be later. But I'd like God to forgive me right now. I mean, it's like, why should I forgive? Okay, so because unforgiveness is bad for me. And then two, God says, if I forgive others, he'll forgive me. So I know I'm going to need forgiveness again. Now, most of you will probably at some point say, I know I should forgive, but this is tough. I don't really know how to do this here. I'm in turmoil. How do I forgive someone who's just pulled my heart out and jumped on it? How do I, how do I forgive someone who for years and years and years and years and years did this thing to me? How do I forgive somebody who hurt somebody who I really care about? I know I'm supposed to do it, but how do I do it? Well, a couple of thoughts scripture talks to about that too. So let's just go through those. One, Pray for those who hurt you. Now, don't pray that they get herpes or hemorrhoids, okay? That's not praying. <laughs> There's a song. I love this song. I listen to country music. I admit it. If you get in my car right now, it's going to be on the country channel, the highway or whatever it is. Uh, but there's this really song that I like because it makes me laugh. But it actually is preaching my sermon. It's by, by a guy named Jaron and the Long Road to Love. It's called I Pray For You. And so here's part of the song lyrics. You know, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you on the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I pray for you. That's not what I'm talking about here. 
Great, great song. Probably lost you now for the rest of the sermon, but it's a great song anyway. Now we pray like Jesus did on the cross while creation itself was mocking the creator. Father, forgive them, he said. Just like that. When they were hurting him, when they were doing it to him, he said, God, forgive them, Father. And he taught it real plainly um, in Matthew 5. He says, have you heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? That was normal, right? Okay, I mean, it's like, it was totally normal to them. One of the Romans' God was named Revenge. So you got a God named Revenge. You're supposed to hate people that do bad stuff to you. That's normal. Hate your enemy. And, and, and in fact, the Jews taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life for a life, right? And a lot of times we think that way. We think that way. Even today, it's where most people live. But then he said something that was shocking and even in his time, revolutionary. He says this, verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. I think the chances are pretty good that some of us will say, but I don't want to pray for them. I just don't feel like it. And oftentimes, it takes the right actions to trigger the right feelings. Sometimes the right actions have to come first. And if you wait for the desire to pray for them, Chances are you're going to be waiting a long time or maybe you'll be waiting forever until you feel like praying for them. But if you start praying the want to, sometimes we'll follow those right actions. And that's what happened in my heart when I told you before that, that I didn't give you the details about that thing that I drew the line. I said, I'll never forgive. And I knew I needed to pray for that person. I needed to pray for me, but I need to pray for that person. And that's what happened as I prayed. This person who put the deepest hurt in my life Everything in me wanted to pray the song, <laughs> you know. But I started with just a half-hearted word. I remember hurting so deeply that all I could do was thinking about this person and talking to God and saying, bless. That's it. I wasn't even sure I felt it. I wasn't sure I meant it. It was all I could do, bless. And over more time, sincerity came. I would say bless and I put the name in. And over time, I noticed something about my prayer. My prayer for others may or may not change them. But my prayers for others always changes me. You just pray. Just start. It could be really difficult and I don't mean to minimize in any way the pain, but just start. And then let God go to work. Let the supernatural go to work there. How do I forgive somebody who hurts me? Start by praying for them however you are able. And the second thing is forgive as you have been forgiven. How do you do it? The same way that God has forgiven you. You you, you forgive the same way Christ has forgiven us. Christ has forgiven you completely. And Christ has forgiven you constantly. At least me. I mean, I know, I know he, we, we then forgive the same way. Colossians 3, 13 says, bear with each other. So this might not be easy, might not be clean. Might be still some, have some pain there, so hang in there. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. How do I do that? <laughs> forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's how you forgive. You forgive 
as you have been forgiven. You know, Peter one time asks Jesus, he says, says, how many times should I forgive, Lord? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, seven times, 70 times. I mean, that's a picture of you just keep on forgiving. You just, you just keep on forgiving. And, you know, maybe when I, when I share on the, uh, this topic before, you know, maybe there are some people here and um, you're in an abusive situation. I mean, I've had wives say to me, my husband is hitting me. Should I just keep forgiving and just keep on going and forgive him? And I say, no. Get out of the house and forgive him from somewhere else. I mean, I'm not joking. But you still forgive. You still forgive. Forgiving doesn't mean that you subject yourself to harm. I mean, there's a lot more to that conversation, and I'm not going to go off on that trail today, or we'll be there, you know. But you forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And there, here's, you know, here's the principle there. The forgiven forgive others. That's it. It's that simple. The forgiven forgive others. That's what we do. I'm forgiven by Christ, but I didn't deserve grace. I didn't. And because I've been forgiven, I offer that same grace that's been given to me. And when I decide to forgive someone who's hurt me so deeply, on the day that I decide to forgive them, the Lord sets a prisoner free. And the prisoner is me. I'm the one that gets freed. So I pray, as I have been all week long, that if you're in bondage to this, that the Spirit of God would touch your heart today and do a miracle, and that there would be a healing of relationships. Because the message of the gospel is forgiveness. As we've been freely forgiven, so we forgive those who've hurt us. Let's pray.